and grab out your Bible, though, and something to take some notes with. Uh, we here at Victory believe in, I believe in taking notes, and so I will convince all of you eventually to take some notes. Uh, if you like fill-in-the-blank version, you want me to tell you what to write down, you can pull up the Victory Harvest Church app, uh, VHC app on your phone uh, or tablet or whatever it is, and fill in the blank. You kind of follow along with us. All the verses, all the points we're going to have today are in there as well. Uh, grab those. We're finishing up a series we started. It's called Not Enough, and it comes out of an idea we kind of played with on Easter and kind of kicked off this whole idea that you do not measure up, that you are not good enough, you are not strong enough. Come on, I've been encouraging you all month long <laughs> that you don't measure up. And I told you week one that the devil would love to use the truth that we are not good enough, that we are not strong enough, that we are not pleasing enough. He would love to use the truth as something to beat us down, as something to discourage you. But God wants to use these to set you free. There's a freedom that comes when we finally recognize I am not good enough. I cannot do it alone. And so we've been studying those. So week one, we talked about that you cannot please everybody. I know you might have known that in your subconscious, but oftentimes our actions don't reflect it. And so we talked with the truth that I cannot please everyone, but I can please God. And so then week two, we moved on that you are not good enough, that you could never be good enough, that you are not, that Jesus did for you what you could not do for yourself. And so we talked about that in week two, that we don't measure up. And so today we're going to kind of finish it out with this thought that we are not strong enough. That I know the world tries to tell us that we can handle it all, that we can do it all, that we should be able to be there for it all and do it and handle and carry it all. But I just want to tell you at the outset that you are not strong enough to handle it all, that you were never designed to. And because of this kind of beatdown of culture that says we have to do it all or we have to handle it all, so many of us start to feel overwhelmed in our life. We get so overwhelmed, we get so busy and so rushed that honestly it bleeds into every other area of our life, every relationship Everything that we walk through, everything that we interact with, everything that we do, our mindset, our thoughts, everything's a million miles a minute. And we get so overwhelmed or so busy that we don't relate to anything else in our life. Let's just do this right here. How many of you would say, how many right now, you say we are rushed in our lives. How many of you say you are so rushed that slow people start to annoy you? Anybody like that? You're just so rushed. Right. How long it took you to raise your hand annoys me. All right. That's just a, you're not fast enough this morning. We're going to work on that. We got a few more. But I'm going to say, like, you, things are way too slow. When people move slowly, we start to lash out. How many of you get to the grocery store, right? And you get all your stuff, your deal, whatever, fill your card. You get to the front, and you start analyzing the lines. Not like you're just going to pick the shortest, but you're looking at the cashier to see if they are quick, right? And you are analyzing. And then you pick one, right? And then you start to race. Like, blue shirt guy got in his line. At the same time, I got in my line. Let's see, like, he's moving quicker. Let's see if I need to jump. Anybody just me? Anybody ever been in the atrocity that is the Hobby Lobby checkout line? Anybody? Like, I've had that privilege a few times in my life. Like, it could be two people in front of you, and it's still six hours. Anybody just, you understand this? Like, they got 85 picture frames. Who needs 85 picture frames in their house? Just me. I'm offended some people today, all right? You just, that is your holy land. You go to the Hobby Lobby. I don't know what, and they don't have barcodes, right? They just tap in whatever they feel like it should cost that day. And they're just tapping, tap, tap, just me. All right, I'm going to, I'll suffer all alone. I don't care. Or worse, maybe you're one of those people that gets in my traffic line and you just like think our line is moving quicker. And then that other line starts to move quicker. So you jump over there, but then we start to move. And so you come back trying to like cause an accident so you can get back. But then that line starts to, and pick a lane jerk face, right? That is our... That is what I shouted all my life until my kids started shouting it. And then I'm not allowed to shout it anymore. Come on, somebody. And so we have to come up with creative things to shout. It's great. 
It's very, it's very therapeutic. I don't know what it is. But some of you, right, we race through everything in life. Some of you race with your kids, right, who can brush their teeth, get quiet, and get in bed the fastest, right? You win the award of the day. Who can do that? Why? Because we're rushed. Everything we do, we are rushed, rushed, rushed. And I would just like to make the case today that we find ourselves so rushed that we are out of balance. That in our own lives, and maybe we'll just have some introspective, right? Don't pat anybody on the shoulder. Don't point any fingers today. Maybe we are so rushed that we are out of balance. I want to give you a couple of categories maybe that you could self-reflect and see some ways that we are out of it. Jump down if you're taking notes. First one is we're out of energy physically. We are so busy that we run out of energy physically, right? You say, well, I don't really have time to exercise and I I just don't have the energy for it anyways. And I know my kids want to play, but I've already done 8,000 things today by the time I get home. And so maybe sometime later, and we're so messed up, we're not able to do pretty much anything because we're so out of energy physically. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe a lot of us were out of balance emotionally. Maybe we are so messed up that we would have a breakdown, but we just don't have the time. Come on, somebody. We just, I would, I would break down today, but it's just not in the schedule. It's just not, it's not planned. We're out of touch emotionally. We are a wreck. Some of us were bankrupt relationally. It got quiet in this church today. Some of us, we are, we have people that we love, but we just don't have anything left for them. So we get the home at the end of the day and we are physically with them, but we're not really with them because we're thinking about tomorrow. We're thinking about the things that we need to get done. And so we are bankrupt relationally for the ones that actually matter the most. We're out of balance. Fourth thing, and this is really big to me, many of us are out of balance spiritually. You kind of, you're out of order. You, you've gotten the wrong things first. You got the wrong, and we're out of order spiritually. We believe in God, but we just don't have time for him. We believe in what the Bible says. We just don't have time for it. We're out of order spiritually. And you study any metric you want, daily study in God's word, prayer, church attendance, anything you want to study is down across the board. Why? Not because you're bad people, not because we're a bad person. We're just busy. We got things to do. Our kids are in activities. We got requirements at the school. We got all these things that we need to do. And so we don't have time for the things that are actually essential. We're out of order spiritually. We have all these things that we've signed up for, all these things that we need to happen, our yard, our kids, our school, our work, the dog. We got all this stuff that we need to do. And so when it finally comes to something spiritual, we just don't have the time for it. We're out of order. Or maybe on the weekend, it might be, you know, you do have the time, but you're so fried from the week that there's no chance we're going to church because we just got to reset. Like we just got to get all these things and we can handle it all. Let me just tell you today from the outset, you cannot handle it all. And too often times we are out of balance because we've tried. Too often times we're out of balance because we don't have time for the things that actually matter. We don't have time for the things that actually are of God because we're so fried from all the other stuff that we've signed up for. And so we think, well, maybe God won't give me more than I can handle. Doesn't the Bible say God won't give it? The problem is the Bible never says God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, it does say that God won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but it never says he wouldn't give us. Oftentimes, I think God allows us to have more than we can handle. So we learn to cry out and depend on him. So so many times in our life we think, well, it's just I I can't handle it all because it wouldn't have been given to me if I could listen to me. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But the overlying truth I want you to get today, the truth that will set you free, not to condemn and not to criticize, not to pull you down, is the truth God wants to use to set you free that you cannot handle it all, that you are not strong enough. 
So here's what I would like to do, all right? Would you guys participate? Usually we get about 50%. I'm looking for 60 today, okay? How many of you would honestly say that you are at least occasionally overwhelmed? That you're at least occasionally overstressed, that there's a little bit too much to do? How many would say, right now, come on, everybody, put them up and leave them up. How many would say you are at least sometimes you are overwhelmed and occasionally stressed in your life? So we got about half telling the truth, about half of y'all are liars. Come on, somebody, you are after you. Too many times in our life we get overstressed. Something wrong with that picture. Because honestly, would you imagine that life was designed that you would just be overstressed, pushed to the max every single day beyond what you could even bear every single day of your life and think that that was a productive way to live a life for God? That we would sign up for so many things. You think God's intention for us is to be so overburdened and overwhelmed with all the stuff that we have put into our lives that we live each day overstressed, each day beyond our breaking point. Because honestly, I would believe that God would call what we call normal, what we would call a normal lifestyle in today's culture. And I'm speaking to us right here at Victory Harvest Church. What we would call a normal lifestyle, I believe God would call insane. That he would call unbiblical, possibly sinful. That the things we have added and added and added, and there's some things that need to change. And I think some of us have to have what I would call a come to Jesus meeting. And not like in this like cultural Christianity, like, you know, I went to church, I did my Jesus thing. No, I would say we need to have an actual come to Jesus meeting that we would be changed. Because listen to me, I don't have a lot of faith that today is going to change a whole lot of you, all right? I just, I just don't have that optimism in me this week. I think that most of you, by about midweek this week, are going to kind of shake it off, all right? You're going to go back to the routine. You won't remember what I said. You won't remember any of the things. But I think some of you, this will be a come to Jesus moment. I think for some of you, it's actually going to stick that we're going to fix some things on. That we're going to have this moment where we actually see something is wrong. That I am not strong enough. I cannot handle it all. And I've got to come to Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. You open up your Bibles. We'll have it on the screens as well. Starting in verse 28. Here's what Jesus said. First three words. Say it with me. First three words. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus said. All you who are weary and burdened. All of you overstressed, all of you overburdened, all of those, the cares of life have tried to choke out any sense of life that you had. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll, what? I'll give you rest. Some of you don't even know what rest is. Some of you, you feel guilty when you rest, right? If you ever have a chance to actually even have a moment of rest, you have this guilt well up inside. Because if you are not being productive, if you are not doing something for somebody or somewhere or some appointment, you feel guilty about your life that it must not be good if we rest. We are a society that has no respect for the Sabbath, the day of rest. We are a society, no respect for any moments of rest. Jesus is saying, come to me, those who are weary and burdened. Come to me, those who are stressed out, those who are weary, and I will give you rest. And he watches, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when we study Jesus, he unquestionably was busy. I'll just say that right now. If you study the Gospels, three and a half years of ministry, you study all the things, and the Gospels even say everything he did, we can't even write down because it would fill every book in the world. He was unquestionably busy, but what you never see is Jesus hurried. He's always been, always has things and people to reach, things to do. He's never hurried, and there is a difference. Because we can be busy and productive. We can be busy because busyness is out here. Hurriedness is a sickness of the soul. And too often times, too many of us, we have this sickness. Too many of us, I would guarantee all of us, have this sickness from time to time, this hurriedness, this sickness of the soul. 
And I've had in my own life, you may say, well, Ben, why are you so passionate about this? Why are you so angry this morning? I'll just tell you, it's because I'm so bad at it. If I am passionate about this, it's because I have realized in my own life, not only just in seasons, but across seasons, that in my own life, I found myself where I am hurried and pushing, like, go, 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 go. We got to do this. We got. And what I would find myself saying is, well, we just have to do this right now, but in a few weeks, it'll all kind of slow down. But then if you had checked in with me a few weeks later, I would say, well, we have X, Y, and Z to get done. We just got to get these things done. And then later on, if I can just power through, if I can just push through these, then later on, you know, we'll have a, a kind of a downtime. We can rest. And then a few months later, right, it's just a busy time of year. I just don't know what you want from me. It's the busy time of the year, right? It's all these holidays or all these things. We just got to get through this. Next year, we'll reset and we'll be able to have a little bit of peace. And over and over, if I am passionate about this guy, I'm really bad at working this out in my own life, but I want to be better. And I'm praying there's some of you that want to be better too. I want to be biblical in the way that I approach life. So what do we do when we have too many things to do? Today, I want to give you three things to do with your things, all right? That's just what, kind of the title of the message today. Three ways that we can deal with the things that we've allowed to kind of encroach on us. First thing, if you're taking notes, jot it down today. First thing is that some burdens need to be shared. Some burdens that we have, we need to recognize, need to be shared. You bosses and managers and business owners out there, right? Delegation is not a four-letter word, all right? Some things need to be shared. And even in the church, in our own lives, the Bible talks about this, that some things need to be shared. But too often we say, I can handle it all. You cannot. You weren't designed to. God's plan for you is some things needed to be shared with the body of Christ. In fact, I love the story of Moses. It's in Exodus chapter 18, verse 17. When Moses became overwhelmed, his father-in-law came to him and he gave him this advice. I love this, this phrasing of how he says it to him. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing, Moses, this overwhelmed, this overworked, this trying to do it all yourself, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. May I respectfully say to all of you today, what you are doing is not good. This overwhelmed, overworked, overstressed schedule, over things, what you are, you may think you can handle it all by what you are doing is not good. You cannot do it alone. It's too heavy. You will only wear yourselves out. You will only wreck these things. You will ruin yourselves. And I would just submit to you that what you are doing, the way you are doing it is not good. If we would just open ourselves up to that, because too often times there are burdens that need to be shared. But if you're like me, you are terrible at asking for help. Right? I would say about 90% of us, you are great at giving help. You are willing to help anyone, anywhere, anytime. But you are terrible at actually asking for help. Wouldn't you say that's true about yourselves? That we just something we've gotten ourselves in the mindset. I like to help, but I hate to be helped. I can do it myself. About four years ago, I took up woodworking as a hobby. Um, I just enjoy doing it. Don't ask me to show you anything because I will not, all right? It's just not, it's a work in progress. We're coming along. It's, it's therapeutic for me, all right? I'll just say that in that kind of sense. But my garage is not very big. And so I bought what was called an air purification system. This thing that you hang from the ceiling. It works with your dust collector and filters the air. It's great. It saves your, saves your lungs. It's all this fantastic stuff. But I ordered it. I didn't realize how heavy this thing actually was. And so, you know, UPS will bring anything to your house. It's fantastic. They'll bring anything right up your driveway. And so they unloaded it in my garage, and we kind of went through the day. And finally, the family's asleep. Kids are in bed. And I go out to the garage and open this box. And I realize, number one, that this thing is far heavier than I ever imagined in my wildest dreams. But number two, I realize that with my little five-foot ladder, 
in order to install this thing from the chains that I've lowered from the attic, I'm going to have to climb to the top rung. I'm going to have to put it on my head. Come on, somebody. And then I'm going to have to blindly try to feel for the hooks to try to hook this thing up to the ceiling. Now, what does wisdom say my next step should be, right? Close the box, get another set of hands, go to bed. Tomorrow, invite somebody over and buy them lunch or something, right? That's what wisdom says. Or better yet, wake my wife Alyssa out of sleep and have her come, right, while I hold it and have her hook the things. But I thought, no, I don't really want to bother my wife, right? I want to, she can sleep. I can do this thing. I can handle this. So fast forward about 20 minutes now, right? I am on the top of the ladder. Not the top rung. I am on the top of the ladder. I have this thing on my head, right, kind of balanced. And now I've reached my hand up. And glory be, I managed to get the first hook into the eye bolt of this massive machine from my ceiling. And I think, I am a genius. I have done it. I can do it all. I have, I have the seeds. Only to realize when I got to this second hook that the chain I had lowered from the attic wasn't long enough to reach the hook on the top of this thing. And so sweat is pouring down my face, right? I am extended to the extent of my neck can go. And I've decided, okay, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And so I go my hand back to the first hook only to find that the weight of the machine is what caused it to hook on the first hook anyways. And it's not budging. And so it's hard to visualize, all right? But think about it this way. It can no longer go up to unhook, but it absolutely can come down. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And I thought in my mind, I think my wife is going to be bothered. I think there's going to be... Because if I drop this thing now, if I decide I'm out, this thing will swing like a cannonball and put me and my ladder through the door of the garage. That is what is about to happen. (laughs) And so now I enter the part of the project that we call panic. That is the part of the... In the rules, right? Step number five that we start. So I begin to scream and shout and do it. And I thought, yeah, this is going to bother everybody. <laughs> We're going to have a... Okay. Why is it we wait until we are in a jam? Why is it we wait until the moment we are at our worst and we need to, before we'll ever ask for help? Before we'll ever share a burden? What is it inside of us that says, I can handle it all. I can do it all. I can, I can be it all. I can be at it all. I can attend. I can do. I can sign up because I can handle. What is it about us that we are terrible at asking for help, that we are terrible at asking for others to come with us. What is it about it that we get ourselves in the worst of it when we actually need to be sharing the burden, the weariness? We need to share the burden of it all, the heaviness of it all, because you were not designed to do it alone. You were not designed to bring it alone. And many of you, you are carrying burdens on your own and you're not sharing with anybody. And what do we say? We say, well, they're busy too. They've got too much to do. They got too much on their plate. They can't help me. What do we say? Well, I can't share that at small group because they just, you know, everybody else has problems and they got their own thing. They're not going to be able to help me with that. Listen to me. If we as a church are not able to share the burdens of one another, then we are not following Jesus. We talk about the law of Christ. Look at this in Galatians chapter six. Watch what he says. He says, carry, watch this, carry each other's dust collectors. Come on, somebody. This is is biblical right here. (laughs) Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It says, carry each other's burden. You want to know why we make such a big deal about small groups around here? Not because I need you in a group and I got to check off that box. Not because I think, you know, it's just a cool thing for a church to have. The reason we make a big deal about small groups is because we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. We're supposed to carry them, walk alongside one another. That's what we are called to do as a church. He says, carry it, that you would fulfill the law of Christ. Some things, they need to be shared. Some burdens need to be shared among the body of Christ. Second thing, if you're taking notes, jot it down as this. Some things need to be dropped. Come on, somebody. I'm not going back to my story if you're thinking. Some things, though, need to be dropped. 
Some things in your life, could it be you are doing way too much? Some things need to be stopped. I really relate to the story in Luke chapter 10 about Mary and Martha. They have Jesus over to their home. And if you've ever actually thought about this, like we just read the story. If you've ever thought if Jesus was coming to your home, not like just like the, the best friend you have or not like just some important person is about to show. Jesus himself is about to enter your home, what your reaction would be. Because we know what Mary's reaction was, right? Mary's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of this situation. Jesus is in my house. I'm going to hang out with Jesus. Like Jesus himself is sitting on my recliner. I am going to sit at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to be right there where Jesus is. Martha has a different reaction. Martha does what I think a large percentage of us would do. Martha, like Jesus is coming. It needs to be perfect. Like we got to do everything, like, like clean everything. Kids, you get your Legos. I don't care what you care about. We are clean. We're going to light the good candle. Come on, somebody. We're gonna, Jesus is coming to my house. We got to bake his cookies. We got to do whatever it is because Jesus is going to be there. And so Martha is losing her mind in the kitchen, right? Because Jesus is here. And she happens to glance out of the kitchen door and see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet doing nothing. Come on, somebody. Mary's lazy self is just sitting on the floor out there with Jesus. And Martha is losing her mind trying to get... And she's like, Mary, you get your lazy self back in this kitchen right now. You're going to do something. And Jesus responds to Martha. He responds to her and it ministers to me deeply. Come on, somebody. Jesus looks at Martha and he says, Martha, Martha, sweetheart. Come on. He just said, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. That'll speak to somebody today. You are worried and upset about many things. You are worried and upset about all of this stuff. You are losing your mind over all of these things. But watch what he tells her. What he says, but really only one thing is needed. Martha, you have lost your mind over all of this and you are worried and upset about many, many things. But only one thing is that, and watch this, Mary has, and read this with me, this word, Mary has what? Chosen. Mary has chosen, not Mary has stumbled over, not Mary has somehow epiphany, not Mary, whatever it is. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary chose what was better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary made a choice. There were some things she could have done that she didn't do. So she could do what others couldn't do. There were some things that Mary could have been doing that were lesser, but she chose what was better. Mary chose to do what was better. She gave up all those things that Martha couldn't give up, that Martha was worried about. Mary chose what was better. You think about that for just a moment. What would you fill in the blank? If I were to ask you, if I only had more time, I would blank. If I only had more hours in the day, if I only had more time to do, if I only had more time, I would, what? What is that for you? And it's different for every person, but I, I don't know what it would be. But fill in that blank for me today, just a little thought process. If I only had more time, I would, what? Would it be if I only had more time, I would spend more time with my kids. If I only had more time, I would, I would write a book. If I only had more time, I would become a coach because I want to pour into the lives of others. If I only had more time, I would go to small group because I, I know that would be beneficial, but I just don't have the time for it. If I only had more time, then I would serve. If I only had more time, I would do this. If I only had more time, I would do. There are values and things God has placed in your heart, dreams to do, that you would do if you only had more time. And I would just argue with you today, I'll step on every toe in the room if I need to, that that is a cop-out. That you do have the time, but that you choose to put something else in place of it. That you do have the time to do some of those things, but you choose to put something else. We're choosing what is lesser instead of what is better. 
that we're choosing to put in the place of the things that are better. We're choosing just to put in what a sick society would tell us is normal. Because a lot of us are living our schedule based on what culture would tell us is what we need to do. And it's coming from a very demented place, and yet we're treating it as normal. If I only had more time. And I mean, I could talk on this for an hour, everybody. I really could. I just, this is something that's passionate in my own life that I just see happen where people are told that this is what is normal. That you need to be overscheduled, overworked. You need to be overdone. You need to sign up for everything. You have to be the model parent. You have to be the model parent of a student or the model parent here. And you have to be the model whatever it is. And you need to do all of these things and never let a plate fall. Just let them spin. And we live our lives at the breaking point instead of what God has called us to do. And so I would just ask you this. One, I would ask you, just look at what culture calls normal and tell me whether or not it's insane. And then two, I would ask you, what do your actions communicate that you value? I don't care what you say you value, all right? That's just one of the things kind of in the church world we do. What do you say? What do you, what do you say? What do you say? I don't care what you say you value. What do your actions communicate that you value? What do our culture's actions communicate that we value? Right? It's possessions and money and things. What are, that's what our culture communicates. That's what we value. What do our actions communicate that we don't value? Let's say it's time with God and time with family because we don't have it. And too oftentimes, what do our actions communicate to our kids that we value? That we put all of these things before God in our life. We say one thing, but our actions communicate one, something different. So what are we showing to our kids is that we value those things over God. What are we showing the next generation is that we value. We can say one thing with our lips, but if we deny it with our life, then we are showing what we value by our actions. We are showing what we value. Because our culture's actions, it's stuff, it's possessions, it's money. Why? So we can have the nice house, so we can have the nice car, so we can have the nice vacation. But it doesn't communicate that we actually value God or we value family because we don't have that time. We have sacrificed it at the altar of more. That is the first place we will dip into when we need more time for other things. It's the first place that we will sacrifice. Because honestly, it's the people that need it the most, but for some reason, it will be the first thing up on the chopping block. And again, I'm saying this, if I'm passionate about this today, it's because I've been really bad at it in my life, but I'm trying to get better. And we're trying to get a little bit better in the way that we view things. We need a different perspective. Truth is, there are some things that we need to say no to. Some things need to be dropped. Some burdens need to be shared, but some need to be stopped altogether. That we have signed up and done for too many things, and we have to do, honestly, we have to say no to what some people think is normal so we can say yes to what God says is essential. We've got to say no. We've got to drop some things. And listen, don't worry when putting an emphasis on God and on family somehow looks weird. Start to worry when your family starts looking normal. All right, everybody? Because what we have chosen to do as normal is just insanity. We're running 100 miles an hour. Some things need to be dropped. Here's what Scripture says. And that may be what you need to drop may be different for all of us. But watch this in Psalms 46. The Bible says, he says, be still and know that I am God. Read these, these highlighted words with me. Watch this. Be Still. Kind of awkward, isn't it? It's just a little bit awkward. You like say something, do something. People online think the video froze. It's just something. (laughs) Buffering. 
it's awkward. It's like, do something. The last thing you do is be quiet. Like, the last thing is be still. The last thing, but it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. The reason many of you, you may be a believer. The reason many of you haven't felt the wind of God in your sails in a long time. You haven't felt the presence and the power of God in your life in a long time is you just don't have time for him. Too often times the reason you don't have is you just don't have time for him. You say he is important, but your actions communicate something different. Be still. The Hebrew word there for still, that, that word that means be still is the word rafa. And it literally means, it means to slacken. It's where our point comes from, actually. It means to allow to sink. It means to drop. Modern translation would honestly be drop it. Drop it. I don't know what it is in your life that you need to drop. I don't know what it is in your life that you need to stop. I don't know what it is in your life you need to work back out of there, but something needs to be dropped. If we're going to go after what God says is most important, some things need to be dropped. Stop investing your life in places that don't even matter. Stop investing all of your life because you only get one. Stop investing it in things that don't even matter. Things you can't take with you anyway. And most of us, we need to drop something. I would dare say most of us need to drop a whole lot of things. Because if you're like me, most of us, we have a to-do list, right? You have a list, whether it's on paper or whether you have it on your phone, just some kind of app. We have something that we keep track of the things we need to do. And if you're like me, sometimes I will put things I've already done on my to-do list just so I can check them off. Come on, somebody. I just, like, I just need something to be done, something to come off of that list. I'll put... We have these to do. I would submit to you today, instead of your to do, instead of adding more and more things, some of you need a to don't list. Some of you need to add some things that you need not to do that you have been signing up for. You need to add some things to your to don't because honestly, we add to our to do all the time. Our our requirements and our things, our assignments and our things we need. We keep adding and adding, accumulating, and we rarely take anything off. This is my weekly list. This is my monthly list. This is my, and we never take anything off. We just add to it. Some of you need to start making a bigger to don't list of the things you have chosen not to do. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that need to be dropped. There's some stuff we need not to do so we can focus on what actually matters. We got to have a to don't list. Some things need to be shared. Some things need to be dropped. And then the final one today, jot it down if you're taking notes. One thing needs to matter most. Some things need to be shared. Some burdens, some things need to be dropped, but one thing needs to matter most. Psalm 62 says it this way. It says, my soul truly finds rest where? In God alone. In God alone. Not in my vacation, not in my big house, not in my new car, not in some outfit, not in the swimming pool for the backyard. Not in what, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. It's in God alone. Psalms 55 says it this way, and we're called to do this. This is a command. It says, cast your cares on the Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord. That word cast there in the Hebrew, it's the word chakra. It's this, this cast, shalak. It's this word, it means to hurl. It means to throw. It means to literally throw. We need to throw our burdens on him because he cares for us. It says he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast your cares on him. We're told to cast our burdens on him. We're told to cast our things. We're told to throw off all of our burdens, throw them all on him. But most of us don't. Most of us won't. And it's something I don't know. It's something I'm coming to grips in my own life, but I don't know why we won't. I don't know why we won't throw those. And I love this story. It's, it's a silly story, all right? I'll just warn you ahead of time so you don't boo and hiss and throw things at me, okay? It is a silly, dumb story, but it has a good point. 
There was once a farmer, and he was going down the road to town, and he had hauled his big sack of potatoes on his shoulder, or taters, if that connects with you a little bit better. A big sack of taters up on his shoulder, and the sun was beating down, and he's headed into town, and he's got about eight miles to go, and he doesn't know if he's going to make it. And suddenly, a truck pulls up, and this other guy calls out of the window, hey, buddy, can I give you a ride into town? He says, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he crawls back into the bed of the truck, sits down, and puts the sack back over his shoulder, and they keep on going. About half a mile down the road, the guy driving looks out of his rear window and he realized this guy still got it up on his shoulder. He's like, hey, buddy, why don't you why don't you set your sack of taters down? And the man looks at him, he says, oh, no, no, no. I, I love that you would give me a ride, but I wouldn't dare ask you to carry my potatoes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I told you it was stupid. All right. I warned you ahead of time. But that's exactly what we do with God. God, I know you are powerful enough to save me. I know that you have redeemed me. I know that your blood washes me clean, but I wouldn't dare ask you to carry my burdens. This is on me. God, I know you're powerful enough to do it all, and I know you give me eternal life, but I wouldn't dare ask you to carry this. This is my, I got to handle this myself. When the Bible says, carry all of your burden, cast all of your cares on him. Because what he cares for you, too many times we don't believe it. We think it's great God saved me, but there's no way he would care about this. There's no way I could cast this burden or this stress or this thing on him. When I carry our taters ourselves. Come on, somebody. I'll put a, that's a bumper sticker right there. Too often times we want to do it ourselves. God, you're big enough to forgive my sins and give me eternal life, but I can't give you this. There's an old poem from the 1860s, and it got set to music later on in the century. It became a hymn that we love And the poem was just, it's very simply written. But one of the verses just, I I have it in my mind almost constantly. And the, the, the song version of it. But the way it goes, it says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what peace we often give up. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless, needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And I just, I just would put that out today. If we were just talking, just you and me, if I could just tell you one thing, what needless pain we bear, what, what peace we often give up because we will not carry our burdens to the cross. We will not give over. We say, well, I know all of that is great about the Bible and about Jesus, but there's no way I've got to carry this on my own. Listen, you cannot handle it all. You are not strong enough. You were never designed to be. And so we need to put that on him. And too many times I have people tell me, well, if I just, if if I have it, then I must be able to bear it. Because God wouldn't let, listen, God never said that we wouldn't have things that we couldn't bear. In fact, I honestly, I believe it, that he would allow some things that we would cry out to him, that we would need to depend on him, that we cannot do it on our own. So here's the big question I want to ask you today. And I just want you to acknowledge it. Because early on, a whole bunch of us said that we are stressed and overwhelmed and overworked, and there's something wrong with that picture. But here's the big question I would ask you. What radical change then do you need to make? What, what radical thing do you need to change in your life then to get this thing back on track? And you would say, well, Ben, I don't really need to make a radical change. It's just a bunch of little, listen to me, you need to make something big. Because listen, you are an intelligent person. If it was something small that needed to change to fix this thing, you would have found it and fixed it a long time ago. If it was just a minor tweak, we would have done this years ago. So what radical thing do you need to do? What change do you need to make in your life? And I don't know what, I mean, for some of you, it's going to be different. Whatever it is, maybe it's something that needs to be shared. 
among God's people. Maybe you've been carrying it alone too long. Maybe it's something that needs to be dropped. I don't know what it is. It's something different for every person, but every single one of us, I think, needs to make some kind of shift. And maybe for you, it's to move into a smaller house so you can get out from under crushing debt. Maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe for some of you, it's to stop doing the 8th, ninth, 10th, 50th activity because your family doesn't have 10 minutes a week together. Maybe for some of you, God forbid, you need to put your hobby on hold for three or four years because your kids are about to leave the house and they need you there. I don't know what it is. All of us have something different, but I promise you there is some change we need to make because the way we are living is insane. What we are doing is broken. We've got to make a change. So I just ask you again, what radical change do we need to know? Do we need to make? And honestly, our lifestyle is destroying us. If we would just take honest stock of where we are and who we are, our lifestyle, our things we are doing is destroying us. When Jesus said, come to me, those who are weary, come to me, those who are burdened, and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me. Those who are weary and burdened, and that's the majority of us. He says, come to me. And I would just submit to you, come to Jesus, not to some cultural Christianity. Not to something, well, I went to church and I did my Jesus thing. And so I kind of checked that by. That's not what he's talking. Come to Jesus. Come to him. Because honestly, what a lot of people call Christianity is just a joke. It's not a real thing. He's saying, come to me. And part of doing that is saying, Jesus, if you are the Lord of our life, if you are the leader of our family, then you lead us. That we're not going to put our value in what culture says is important. We're not going to put all of our stakes on what culture says we need to do and what's normal. We're going to follow you, Jesus, and what you tell us biblically, what you demand of us in your scripture. That's what we're going to follow. That's what we need to do. We're going to come to Jesus. And to say we're not going to surrender to the values of this culture. We're going to surrender to Christ. That's who we need to be as a church. Come to Jesus, because I promise you, you are not strong enough. It's why you need to depend on him. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Father, I just ask right now, speak to us. God, convict us if we need to be convicted. Show us an area of our life if we need to drop it. Lord, show us areas that we need to share among your people and show us areas, God, that we have put other things in place of you. Right now, I just pray, Lord, for those who feel convicted by this, those of us who know we need to make a change, I pray, Lord, help us to stick to it. Help us not to shake this thing off by the middle of the week. Help us, Lord, to actually follow after you. Holy Spirit, give us a new perspective to look at life through your lens. And let us be like Mary. Let us choose what is better. God, I ask in my own life right now, help me to choose what is better. Not to give my life to all the lesser things. Not to give all of the best of me to all the things that don't even matter. God, I ask you, help me to choose what is better. Right now, just continue praying. Some of you, you're in this place and you're realizing today you need to make some changes. You want to be yoked with Christ. You want to go at the same pace with him, not the pace of the world. Some of you, you're looking at your life right now and you're realizing something is wrong. This whole service you've been thinking about, you know something is wrong. You know something is wrong. You want to seek him for direction. Let's just pray right now. God, I pray that we would not shake this. I pray for every person who is serious about this, God. Holy Spirit, give us the eyes to see. Give us the eyes to see the things that need to change. 
There's some of you here today, and some of this has spoken to you, and you're kind of listening, or maybe you're watching online, and some of this is resonating, and you're thinking, yeah, I want that. I want to choose what is better, but you've never actually made the first choice, the most important choice, before you can live a life that follows after Jesus, before you can live a life that reflects what he has called us to be, you have to surrender your life to him. That's the first choice you have to make. And so maybe you're here and maybe you grew up around all of this or maybe you've never heard it before in your life. But I would just tell you right now, you say, well, what is all of that about? I would tell you right now, you need to surrender your life to Jesus and that he makes you brand new. And then you may ask, well, who is Jesus to me? Let me put it this way. Our sin was worse than we could possibly imagine. That we are born with a sin nature. The Bible says we are bent away from God. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why he came to this world. It's why he lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. To pay for our sins that we could not pay for ourselves. That he was brutally murdered at the cross to pay our price. But then the Bible says that he was raised again three days later. That he was raised to life so that anybody, including you, so that anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. The Bible says Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to call you guilty. He came to set you free. That Jesus loved us so much that he paid the price for your sins and for mine. And so our response to that is to surrender our life to him. That's the first step. And the Bible promises if you do that, he will make you brand new. That he will save you. And so right now, if you say, that's me, I want to respond. I've never done it before or I've walked away from him. If you say right now, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. It would be my honor to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to take you to a separate room after service. This is between you and your Savior. Right now, you make a decision. And the church can pray with you. It would be our honor to do so. But right now, you need to decide. To follow Jesus. So church, would you do that? Let's pray with them. Nobody prays alone, but say these words. Say, Jesus, save me. I repent of all of my sin, of all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you for those who made this decision. I thank you, Lord, that they are brand new in Christ. I thank you that you have saved us. And Lord, I pray this week as we go out that you would continue to give us your eyes for the world. Lord, give us your perspective for our lives. Show us, Lord, how we can follow you. Show us how we can be examples of what it means to follow Jesus. Not a cultural Christianity, not a dead religion, but what it means to follow our Savior, to live our lives following Jesus. And we'll give you all of the glory. We'll give you all of the praise. We thank you for what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's done today?